You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. It's good to see everyone. How's, how's everyone doing today? How's everyone doing today? Just fine, Abby. Not great, not good, just fine. Ah, there we go. I like that. I like that. Great. So today I have the distinct, this timer is a lie. Is a lie. It can't be. Anyway, let me focus. I have the distinct privilege of being the one who's teaching the word today. Um, and it, it's, it's a, I must be honest, when the topic came to me, I was like, I mean, pardon, you mean me? Um, but I believe that God has given me a word and I want, to, I want you guys to just take, I'm only going to be speaking for 20 minutes or well, if this time is right, 16 and a half minutes. So I want you guys to really focus and just take notes as well because I believe God is going to be speaking to you through these scriptures and through these thoughts over the course of the month and through the rest of the year um, because they spoke to me personally. So please, if I can, just ask for your attention for the next 20 minutes before we go into the panel session um, just to talk through what God has has said to me concerning our physical health. Um, and I hope it blesses you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So you know how we do. First of all, I want to say this. This teaching is not to shame anybody. And if anybody should be ashamed, it's me. Because I don't know that there's anybody in this place who weighs up to 150 kg. But for me, I'm getting there. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not aspirational. My number should be going down. This is the one number. This is the one count that should not be going up. Do you understand? Money up, you know, experience up. Do you know all this type But uh, weight down in the mighty name of Jesus. <laughs> you shouldn't have to shout that loud now. It's going down. Don't worry, guys. But yeah, so I, this teaching is not to shame anybody. But I want you to know that this body that God has given us is an investment from God. This body that God has given us, this is my cryptocurrency. This is my stocks and balances. This is, this is what God has given me as an investment. And the problem that a lot of us have in this day and age is that we do not look at our body as an actual investment given to us by God. A lot of us look at our body as something we use till it's finished, like toothpaste, you squeeze out as much as you can get from it. And then when the thing is about to be empty, you now throw it in the trash and then you say, well, God, thankfully I have another body in, in, in heavenly places. I will use that one as well. But that's not, what God, that's not how God looks at this body. For all of us, God has given us our bodies as an investment. And he expects that the body he has given you will be used for the benefit of the kingdom. But more importantly, he can look back on the body and say, you use this thing well and it brought me increase. Because that's what, that's what investments are. You put money aside. You put coins in your crypto wallet. You put money in an investment account. And you wait and you give it time in the hope that after a period of time, it will have brought you increase. The Bible tells us that bodily exercise, and I should really read this scripture because it applies to me. But the Bible tells us in 1 Peter, it says bodily exercise profits little. So what God is saying to me is that if I give you this body and you exercise it, for if, nothing, if you do nothing else, at least in my eyes, this body that you have exercised will have brought small profits to me. But for a lot of us, body exercise is an inconvenience. I read an Instagram post. It says, so I have to work hard to, keep my, to lose weight. And I have to work hard to stay fit. It sounds like fraud to me. But that is the truth. God expects an increase 
from everything he has given you. That is what we're going to be talking about today. And, I'll, and we'll talk about that in a few ramifications. So multimedia, please, I need you to follow me. Let's open our Bibles and we'll read together. So when, I'm, when I teach, I try to make sure that we all read the Bible together. So that if you didn't read the Bible during the week, this one will count for you. Luke chapter 19 from verse 12 to 21. So we'll read together. Luke 19. Hmm. I pray for you. And you will now give me short time. Here we go. Let's go together. Therefore, okay, come on, guys. Come on. Okay, clear your throats. <clears throat> All right, shake yourself. Are we good? All right, let's go. Therefore, he's, he, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Next verse. So he called 10 of his servants, delivered to them 10 miners, and said to them, do business till I come. What did he say to them? What did he say to them? Okay, so let me just tell you for myself. So me, I went to do some research. Apparently, 10 miners is like 50K USD. Now, for me, that's a lot of money. At 50K, at 700 and something naira to the dollar, that's maybe like 35 million, 36 million. So that he gave them 36 million. Now, for some of you, that may not be a lot of money because, you know, soft life. To understand, but for me, it's a lot of money. Let's go on. Next verse. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. So the man goes to another country, and while he's gone there, the citizens of his own country sent a delegation to the country he was going to to say, We don't want this man to reign over us. Next verse. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by, by. And the crypto guys here are just like, oh, wonderful. The FX guys are here like, ah, I'm clearly in the kingdom business. We'll get to you. Next verse. Then came the first saying, master, your miner has earned. Next verse. And he said to him, because you are faithful in a very little, have what? Have what? Over. Next verse. And the second came saying, Master, your miner has earned. Likewise, he said to him, you also be over five cities. Next verse. Then another came saying, Master, which I have kept put away in a handkerchief. Next verse. For I feared you, because you are an austere man, you collect what you did not deposit and reap where you did not sow. Next verse. And he said to him, out of your own mouth, I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Last verse. Why then did you not put my money in the bank that at my coming, I might have collected it with interest? This is a wonderful teaching. And I'm going to try and just talk through this very briefly. So like I said, God sends us to the earth. And when he sends us here, he gives us specific things. He gives each and every one of us a body. How many people received a body when they came from heaven? Okay, so only me and like six people. Okay, how many people received time from God when they came from heaven? God gives each and every one of us these specific investments. A body a family or connections and time. And he says to every single person, he says what? 
do business until I come. But the problem for a lot of us is, instead of doing business with the resources, the connections that we have, for instance, we say, Omo, see, I cannot come and live this life and people will be treating me anyhow. So I'm going to isolate myself. Instead of us to use the time that God has given us to do profitable business for his kingdom, we say, Omo, see, eh, FOMO, YOLO, you only live once. God has given me this time. I plan to spend it on me, myself, and I completely. And when I get to heaven, no change for him. If I can be here till the day I die, just enjoying, no change for God. And most importantly, God gives us our human bodies and says, do business, again, for my kingdom. But for a lot of us, we expect or we spend the first... How many people have heard that story? People say, ah, you know what, if I sin, then before the trumpet sounds, I just say, Father, forgive me, I'll go to heaven. We think that we can take the body and the time and the resources God has given us and expend it on our own enjoyment. And then just before closing time, we just say, Father, to thy hand I commit my spirit, then we go to heaven and enjoy. It's a lie. It doesn't work like that. So our bodies are expensive investments. And just like any good investment, God expects a return. Say it with me. God expects a return. One more time. God expects a return. So I remember looking at a, a video on Instagram of a parent and he was dropping his son off in school um, at the beginning of the term. And if you, this happened to you, so I know you can identify with this. When I, when I joined secondary school, my parents would send me to school with a bucket, you know, new shoes, new trainers, two pairs of school uniforms, houseware, boxers, everything. Two suitcases going to school. By the time I'm coming back home, I come back with half a suitcase and a bucket that has a hole in it. Because when I was in school, my seniors would steal my underpants, they would steal my, steal my vest and all that stuff. We are sent to school with this abundance of resources and by the time we are returning, we are coming back with half the stuff and most of it is torn. And then we go back to our parents and say, so daddy, new school term, do it again. That's how a lot of us live our lives with our bodies. We go out, we have a swell time. You, and I'm not, I'm going to be very careful here. You go out, you get wasted with your bodies. You drink, you have a fun time, you ruin your liver. And you go home, you sleep, you take Panadol, you drink water, and you wake up tomorrow and I say, God, do it for me again. We move. That's, that's what most of the hashtag we move. Yes, there was a lituation. Tomorrow is another lituation. And God is saying, Where, what are you doing with the investments I've given you? How are you using this particular investment for my kingdom? Where is the increase? Where is the return for me? You enjoy it. The Bible says that we, God, you know, we consume our resources on our own lusts. The time God has given us, we spend it on ourselves. The resources God has given us, we spend it on ourselves. The body God has given us, we spend it on ourselves. And God is sitting there thinking, but I gave you this thing so that I can get increase for my kingdom. So a couple of things, and I'm going to just very quickly touch on some nerves here. The Bible says, food for the body, the body for food. For some of us, God gave us this body and expects increase. The only increase we are giving him is increase in our waistline. And I'm tapping myself, oh me. We spend our, our, our God-given investment and we add food to ourselves. 
And God is saying, but this is not what I called you. This is not what I called you here for. The food you're eating is just supposed to be well so that you can do business till I come. So I want us to start to just make these, I want there to be a shift in our mindset as we go into the rest of the week and the rest of the month. Bodily exercise is important because at least, if nothing else, God will receive a profit from it. It will show God that you value the body that you've been given. So don't look at exercise as a chore. Don't look at exercise as, as something to be dreaded. It has profit for God. Because a well-exercised body, a, use, a good body, can be sent out to the world to do wonderful things. For me now, I need to lose weight so I can go to Afghanistan and, and disciple some people there. Thank you, you go with me. <laughs> but bodily exercise has some profit for God. Another thing that we spend, we use up all our resources on, sex. These things were given by God to us to enjoy. But enjoy in the right place, at the right time, in the right amounts. The problem now is we want to enjoy it now in copious amounts before it is the right time. And so the, ex the same investment that God gave us, is like God gives you your $50,000 and then you now take, how many people have seen the, um, there's one challenge they're doing on Instagram now, where they take that piece of flat bread and they slap the person's mouth so that the person can spit out water. If you haven't seen it, it's hilarious. But we take the exact same functionalities, the things that God has given us, and then we invest it on ourselves. And then we tell God, ah, should be I'm a living sacrifice. God is like, no. Do business for my kingdom. Use your body for my kingdom. Use your mind for my kingdom. Use your ability to have good knacks for my kingdom. Raise great children. Don't spill your, don't sow your wild oats in your youth. Do business for my kingdom. Use your time for my kingdom. So, as we begin to wrap up, here are two, three things that give God increase. Three ways. So, again, using the analogy that I used, when you put your investment, when you put your crypto or whatever into your account, there are three types of returns you get. You get your daily returns, which is like 0.01 cents every other day or whatever. You get your seasonal returns, which is like monthly returns or whatever. And then you get your final return at the very end of your investment period. God is also looking for those three types of returns. The first return you give God, your daily return, when you use your body the right way, is you give God worship every day. It should not be something you do on Sundays alone. One way that you can give God true increase for the resources he has placed upon you is you spend your days worshiping. And it's not something we do for six minutes at the beginning of the day. Father, you declare that we love you. In Jesus' name we are prayed. Amen. No. The Bible tells us that your whole body can be worshipped unto God. You are a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Your thoughts are worship. Your singing is worship. The way you do business, the way you interact with people, the way you bless them, the way you share with people is worship. So on a daily basis, God expects that this body will be used to worship him. Then seasonal returns. Month by month, year by year, things will happen. And in certain situations, how you position yourself is also worship to God. I, I, I will give a quick example. There's a pastor who I follow whose wife passed away recently. 
And he was saying about how one of the things that God really, really loves from his people is when they worship him during times of sorrow. Imagine somebody's wife passing away and that not deterring him from having a heart of worship. For a lot of us, if we had a close family friend or personal relative or whatever pass away, we would go through a massive season where, you know, maybe depressed or whatever. But in that season, God is expecting that you will still use this body to praise him and worship him, to give him glory. Because when you get to heaven, there is no pain. So in season and out of season, God expects that this same body will be used as an avenue for worship. It doesn't matter. The Bible tells us that Paul and Silas were in jail, their feet locked up, and they still chose to use their bodies to worship God. So that is part of what we do. We give God daily praise and worship, daily rejoicing, daily worship. But then in tough seasons, in good seasons and the bad, we also use our bodies to offer up living sacrifices. And then at the, the final one is your final investment. When you get to heaven, like these guys, when, they, when their master came, says, the master said, bring them to me. Let's have a conversation. And they came and he said, what have you done with my miner? And he says, your miner that you have given me, I've sold it and, and I've worked with it and it has brought a return. Ten minas, five minas. And he said, you will be made ruler over cities. Guys, I put it to you. The degree to which you use your physical body to worship God will determine the reward you get in heaven. When we get to heaven and God is apportioning planets, Pluto, Jupiter, you, Super, you, you can have that one. Um, Mercury, Venus, you, you can have this one. Those who have worked and labored with the resources, the investments God has given them, they will be the ones who will enter into his rest. They will be the, amen. Ah, bless you, baby. Those will be the ones who will enter into his rest. Those will be the ones who will receive the crown of life that God has prepared. So please, your only worship to God is not the songs you come and sing here or the, you know, the, 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 the arms and the, the, you know, the things you give to people when they are in need. Your entire body is a worship unto God. And if you use that body properly, if you use that time properly, God has prepared a reward for those who use the investments he's given them well. So if nothing else, please, I want you to take this with you as we wrap up and as we pray. Treat your body like an investment. There's a thing, there's a quote that I hear people say all the time, but you know, you cannot put a, a you can't scratch, put a scratch on, your, on, your, on a Maserati. You don't put a bumper sticker on a Maserati. Treat your body like a Maserati. Only put the right kind of fuel in it. Only put the right kind of, you know, attachments on it. Don't use your body like a tube of toothpaste. Amen? And let God receive returns. Let God look at you and say, ah, that's, that's my son. I'm well pleased. Let God receive returns. Let's, put a, let's just bow our heads and make a commitment to God. And I'm making that commitment myself. That God, my body is your temple. And when you come and you choose to inhabit me, I don't want you to inhabit a body that is broken. I want you to inhabit a body that is useful for you. I want you to be able to send me to the world. I want you to be able to send me to the nations. I want to be able to give you returns in the daily. Let my body be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. I want to be able to give you returns in seasons of joy and in seasons of mourning. I want to be able to give you returns in seasons where things do not seem to be going well. And at the end of my race, 
I do not want my body to just be something that I throw away. But I want to be able to say like Paul, I have fought the good fight with this body. I have finished the race with this body. And now there is prepared for me a crown of life which I will inherit. Lord, help us. Help us to value the things you've given us. Father, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you because you will give us wisdom and knowledge on how to use our bodies the right way for your glory. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. And all God's people say, amen. amen, amen, amen. Awesome. Thank you so much. Okay, so, sorry. We have a quick panel session that we're going to do. Um, and we have some wonderful guests who will be coming to speak about the ways that we can marshal properly and use our body resources properly and use our, you know, mental resources as well properly. So I have the distinct pleasure of welcoming up to the stage. Actually, Timothy, do you want to come and do the introductions and then, because you're going to introduce me, then I'll come up again like a... <laughs> Thank you. Good morning, church. Thank you, Bishop, for that lovely, lovely sermon, all the shade. Um, fantastic. And, okay. Is that good? Okay, never mind. Is it going to be a bit more light? I feel like I can't see people. Is it just me? It feels really dark from here. Sorry? I'm bright. I am the light of the world. Yes. <laughs> Great. Well, good morning, everyone. And I'm so excited to have this panel conversation. My name is Timoni, in case you were wondering. This is not my real face. Um, yeah, I fell. I fell. I fell yesterday, and this whole thing happened. Oh, thanks. That's the energy I was going for. Thank you. Um, but clearly, the devil knew that this conversation was going to be so juicy, and he tried everything possible to make sure I didn't make it to church this morning, but I'm here. So, I know today is going to be a fantastic conversation, and I'm so excited to welcome the help of two medical practitioners. We have a medical doctor and a clinical therapist in our midst today, and so we're going to be having this really insightful conversation about maintaining both your physical and your mental health. And we didn't only want to focus on physical health, as is typically the case. No shade, Demi, but we only heard you talking about bodily exercise. How about mental, emotional exercise and well-being? Um, so, so we're going to be bringing them up very shortly. We have Dr. Sam in the house. Where is Dr. Sam? That is Dr. Sam. Woohoo! Come on, Dr. Sam. Wow, looking like he engages in quite a lot of bodily exercise, looking very fit. Fantastic. Thank you for joining us. Please have a seat. Thank you, Dr. Sam, for joining us here today. And then we also have Funta Ogubanwo, who is the clinical therapist. A clinical therapist. Fantastic. Thank you for joining us, Funta. And yes, the bishop will be back to just balance this conversation. We have a 50-50 gender diverse panel today. So I will, let me see. I'll see in the, should we see in the middle? Let's see in the middle, right? We'll see at the edge. Oh, please. Yes, please, right in the middle, as the center of attention. Okay, I won't fall. 
Yeah, I'm okay. Great. So, thanks again for joining us, Funto and Dr. Sam. It's great to have you both here today. And um, I wanted to just, just set the stage for this conversation. What's going on with the timer? Okay. All right. <laughs> I see how it feels. I see how it feels. I wanted to set the stage for this conversation um, by just leading us to a passage in the Bible which is Exodus 15 from verse 22 to 26. I don't know if we, can, if we can get that up, but I'm just going to start reading in the meantime. And so this is Exodus. So of course, Moses is front and center of this passage and of this story. And so it says, then Moses, I'm reading from the Amplified Version. So it says, then Moses led Israel onward from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Mara, they could not drink its waters for they were bitter. Therefore, it was named Mara, bitterness. The people murmured against Moses saying, oh, they're so annoying. The people murmured against Moses again saying, what shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree which he cast into the waters and the waters were made sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them, saying, If you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, and will do what is right in his sight, and will listen to and obey his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon you, which I brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Sorry? Yeah, okay. Oh, all right. You know, say it in the mic. That's where we get Jehovah Rapha from. Okay, sorry. thank you very sorry. much. Show yourself. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, so, you know, in this passage, we see a very interesting path or journey to this concept of healing, right? So, you know, the Israelites face a situation. Moses cries out to God. God shows him a tree. He casts the leaves from the tree into the water. The water is healed. God tells them that if you follow certain principles, you will not find this disease again. I am the one who heals you. And I'm hoping that against this backdrop, we recognize that when it comes to healing, one, we do participate in our healing, right? There is there are steps that we need to take and there are steps that we need to take to, to maintain good health, whether that's physical health or mental health. God does also give us ideas. He can instruct us and tell us what to do. And when we think about the trees, really, these two people represent the trees, some of the potential trees that God could use um, in terms of getting expertise um, for our health care and maintaining our physical and mental health care. And so I'm going to pass it on over to the trees who are here today. Um, I guess we could start with you, Fumta. Just introduce yourself very briefly. Tell us a bit about yourself and what you do. And if possible, or if at all, how your Christian faith ties into the work that you do. Hello. Yes, okay. we can hear you. Um, hi, everyone. Good morning. Um, my name is Fumto Ogubanwo. I'm a clinical mental health therapist, and I'm the founder of EBIO, which is a, a mental health practice. So we provide mental health services to those seeking support. Um, so you said a little bit about my journey and like what I do. Uh, yes, what you do and how your Christian faith ties into it, if okay, it does. Okay, cool. 
Um, so as a clinical mental health therapist, that's a fancy way of saying I'm a psychotherapist or a therapist. So if you're going through any life challenges or you're going through any difficulty when it, in regards to your mental health, you would go to see um, a psychotherapist or a psychologist. So I'm a psychotherapist. Um, I've been practicing for over three years now. Um, I have a master's degree in clinical mental health counseling as well as a bachelor's in psychology and communication. Um, so my life, for me, I focus on supporting people through the various seasons of life because I believe that life consists of different seasons and um, each season has a gift and some are more difficult to endure and we need more support. And so that's why I see myself as a therapist, just supporting you through whatever life journey that you might be on. Um, so how my faith ties into that is... Um, my faith is like a tool that I use, you know, when it comes to just my own mental health care, um, as well as just like, you know, supporting my clients. Um, you know, there are times where I'm not sure what strategy to use. I'm not sure what techniques to use. And, you know, I might just say like, Holy Spirit, help me. Like, what um, do I need to do for this person? Um, but then also just personally, just have just the awareness that I have that resource. So I have God to support me as I go through my own life journey and as I go through my own um, life season. So that's how it ties in. Does that answer your question? It does perfectly. Okay, cool. She also <laughs> didn't say, oh, yes, we love, we love the response. Yes, yes, clapping is allowed. Um, clearly, she also has a soothing voice. So wow. in, addition to, <laughs> in addition to all of her expertise, she's bringing some soothing, calm voice to all of, all of her sessions, I'm sure. Thanks. Um, <laughs> but thanks for that. Over to you, Tree, Dr. Tree Sam. Um, yeah, just tell us a bit about yourself and your Hi medical guys, practice. Hi, guys. Good morning. Um, I'm Samuel Oyaho. Um, healthcare professional um, who currently practices as a clinician and general practice physician um, in a private healthcare institution. Um, I've been in practice of medicine for close for about over a decade, actually. Yeah, and um, well, with regards to my faith, I mean, you can't separate medicine and Christian faith. At the very core of, I mean, the practice of medicine and the Christian faith. Uh, at the very essence of compassion, I mean, service to humanity, and, you know, I mean, a whole lot of things, um, essentially. Yeah, even though, um, great, yeah, they love, we love your response. Um, but the doctor who was cleaning my wounds yesterday wasn't very compassionate, but that's a story yes. for another day. Um, and who also gave me tetanus injection, far from compassionate. Um, but yes, that's separate. Thank you. Apology accepted on behalf of your colleagues. <laughs> Great. Um, so I think we could just, you know, right off the back of that, Dr. Sam, so, you know, when, when we think about, you know, healthcare, right, we typically think going to a doctor. Now, practically speaking, as a young person who may or may not have health insurance coverage um, or an HMO, how, how many times should you visit your doctor? And what should you be looking out for when you're visiting your, your, your medical doctor? Okay, um, this is really important. I mean, I think the most important aspect of medicine should actually be preventive medicine. Yeah, I mean, we, most of us, we have cars or, I mean, I mean, we, I mean tra we are transported from one place to another via, via I mean, vehicles. 
And irrespective of whether the vehicle develops a fault or not, you would always have checks. I mean, you'd always go to the gas station, you would always fall. So it's, it's essential, it's, I mean, it's, it's really essential to actually, I mean, have that time and opportunity to see your doctor at least once a year. At least once a year. Yes. Okay. Once a year? Great. So that health tracker, that health tracker consultation, does that count as some people's once a year? Yeah, it, it does count. Yeah. Then, of course, one other thing, if, if, if an individual has um, a family history, if you know you, you have a family history of certain ailments, it's um, actually very important that, I mean, it can be done twice a year. Because, yeah, I mean, it's always important to keep a, a good track of, I mean, your body parameters or your, I mean, with regards to health. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. No, it's, it's a great point you... Oh, okay. Very soft-speaking professionals. Um, but yes, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely project more. Um, so yes, yeah, so see your doctor at least once a year. The year hasn't run out, far from running out. I'm not going to call any names, but I know some of y'all haven't seen your doctors, so see your doctor. Have a doctor and see your doctor at least once a year, and then twice a year if there's a specific um, familial history with some, you know, issue that you need to be tracking. And so, Fumto, my question, my next question is to you, right? So with, with medical, with physical health, you know, you generally know what vitals to be checking when you go to see a doctor. Are there any mental health vitals that you should just be keeping track of to know whether or not you're okay mentally? Yeah, yeah definitely. So um, the mental health vitals would be like your mood. Mm -hmm. um, so your mood as well as changes in your behavior. So just observing your behavior and then also your physical health too. So things such as sleep, nutrition, um, your energy levels. Oftentimes we like to distinguish between physical health and mental health when in essence they're the same because there are some um, life changes that may be happening or some like mental disorders that affects your food, your nutrition and your sleep and your energy levels. And if you are just, you know, putting it off to like maybe it's a headache or maybe it's malaria, it could be, but it could also be something else too. So mood, um, checking for things such as like irritability, anger, are you easily agitated? Do you feel like just um, do you feel more sad than usual? So changes in behavior would be like, are you eating more, for example? Are you turning to substances? And then physical health, so with nutrition, are you eating less, are you eating more? Um, with women, are you noticing any changes in your menstrual cycle? You know, are you getting conducive sleep? So those would be like the vitals to look out for. Fantastic. Are there, is there anyone here who actually checks on what, on, you know, do you think, oh, okay, I've actually been tracking some of these mental health vitals. Anyone? No. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. No one? Have you? No, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> so, I feel, so I feel good. Yeah, I'm like, okay, yeah, we're all in the same buckets. So guys, we need to change. So, but I wanted to ask something about this because yeah. especially with mental health things, <laughs> we kind of just sort of take them as they come. Yeah. So, uh, man, I'm feeling a bit down today, but you know what, tomorrow will be all right. right. So we have that thing. So we're not necessarily tracking it. Um, we just feel like it's one of those things you sort of go through. Even with women, I know that, you know, like because of the cycles of the hormones and stuff, 
But so what, what does that look like practically? Are we like, take, is there a journal? Are we writing things down? Yeah. You know, and then, and then what, what do we do when we see, oh, I've had a couple of bad days, right. you know, of... Yeah. Yeah, so sometimes there's, um, there definitely should be a practicality. So sometimes it's just like noticing that, okay, today I was more cranky. Today I was more moody. And maybe it's because there was more traffic on the road or my boss irritated me, so I'm more stressed out. Or the Naira devalued again. Exactly. So sometimes there's an explanation to the mood, um, but it would be helpful to just kind of have the mindset of noticing, right? So if you want to write things down, that's helpful. Um, but you can also just like take like a mental note. Um, so if you're reviewing your week, for example, you know, are you, when you look back on the week, did you have more days where you, your mood was more low? Were you more anxious than usual? And you have to define what more anxious than usual looks like for you because everyone's anxiety levels differs. So sometimes it might take a practical stand as like, you know, writing in your journal sometimes is taking a mental note. And then other times it's actually relying on those around you. So for example, if you still live at home with your family, you know, if your family tells you like, hey Funto, like, you'd be more moody than usual, like, what's up, what's going on? That's something that you can keep in mind and just getting that feedback. And then if you notice that, okay, um, I'm more moody than usual, that can be like a next step to maybe reach out to a mental health provider to like kind of talk through what's going on. Or if you're not ready for that, maybe you might just want to keep track for like a month or so. And then if you see that the normal tools that you use, so let's say like you've had a stressful day and usually what helps you relax is like taking a, you know, friends or taking a shower or something. If you see that as you keep using those tools, they're not helpful, um, then it might be an indication that, okay, it's time to talk to somebody else. Fantastic. No, I really, oh, people like it. Okay, okay. And I really like how you framed it as tools, right? So for, for many of us, we're very familiar with a first aid box. You know, when I fell, the very first thing my sister did was, you know, grab some spirits, grab some cotton wool, and it was very painful, and just like, pop, 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 pop. You know, we all know what to do when you, well, at least when you need emergency physical health care. You know what to do, but when it comes to emergency mental health care, well, kind of just like, I don't know, I'm just gonna sleep. <laughs> you know, um, when, when you feel like, oh, I feel really, I felt really down for a couple of days. Real, some of us really don't know what to do. So I really like the tools that you've spoken about. And I'm hoping that we're all increasingly thinking about what tools we can leverage that don't include, you know, drinking alcohol. And I, sorry, I look this way, not for any reason. <laughs> sorry, guys. Um, that don't include like, you know, getting drunk or just using um, substances. So thank you for that. Um, so now I'm going to turn to, you know, what's trending now in terms of healthcare, right? So, you know, in recent times, I've had so many conversations with friends, typically female friends, about, you know, some reproductive issues, whether that's PCOS, some ovarian issue, and even men as well, increasingly, you know, there's statistics that shows that men, when it comes to, is it sperm count on the decline? Sorry, I'm, not, I'm clearly not a doctor. Um, but, you know, some of these reproductive issues are increasingly an issue. 
Um, I don't know why. We're a lot, is, I don't know if it's an awareness thing or if it's an actual incidence thing, but increasingly that's an issue in, in, our, in our generation and, and in today's world. So one, why is this happening? And two, what can we do as individuals? Um, this, this is such an interesting conversation. This is such an interesting conversation. Um, it's a combination of the two, um, awareness and lifestyle. I mean, let's take for an example um, erectile dysfunction. At the very core of erectile dysfunction, we have, I mean, several, I mean, parameters ranging from, I mean, diets, um, testosterone levels, I mean, lifestyle with regards to, like, for example, smoking. I mean, um, I'd like to give an example. I, I had a patient come in yesterday at work. Um, I mean, it's, it's so amazing because I saw him about uh, sometime in December. I mean, this is, is a well-built guy. And, um, I mean, you normally would think, oh, this guy should be, I mean, doing very well with regards to, I mean, he's married, with regards to, I um, mean, sexual performance and no issues. However, he, he, he had this complaint of um, erectile dysfunction. I mean, ideally, I mean, someone of his caliber with how he's built should not have that issue because, um, yes, the testosterone is taken care of. It's very important to actually engage in exercise. Um, as men grow older, um, their testosterone levels actually start dropping. So one of the things that, that's very, very crucial is, I mean, to engage in exercise. For example, I mean, lifting up of weights, I mean, running would actually build up. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, it's really crucial. Men in the house. <laughs> yeah, so, and, um, so there was something I noticed. Um, his blood pressure was elevated. So that plays a crucial role with regards to um, development of erectile dysfunction for certain individuals. Because what happens is that there's a constriction of, um, of the blood vessels that would normally be relaxed. What happens um, with regards to um, a, a male having an, I mean, having, um, an erection um, is essentially a flow of blood into, I mean, into the relaxed vessels. And of course, the organ becomes turgid and yeah, for, I mean, the corresponding act to be carried out. And now we... <laughs> wow, guys, you were doing so with, well, I mean. not laughing or anything, and then next yeah. thing, giggles. <laughs> so, um, hypertension um, is one of, I mean, the, the causes of erectile dysfunction. Another important thing is um, elevated cholesterol levels. I mean, somebody would think um, Bishop, as he's huge oh, no. like this. No, oh, no, 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 no. I mean, I'm, I'm in your favor here, okay, right? Okay, thank you, thank you. <laughs> someone would think, um, as Bishop is huge like this, that his cholesterol levels uh, might be elevated. On the contrary, I've seen um, very slim people come in and their cholesterol levels are, I mean, elevated. That's why it's very important for everyone to go through a health check. I, I think at about three years ago, there was this 12-year-old um, I mean, child came into the consulting room, um, had headache, came in with his father. Um, so I took his blood sample. Ugh, it, it felt odd. I mean, blood should actually I mean, have a particular color. Um, but his own was kind of altered. So uh, I sent it to the lab. I was curious. Like, ugh, why is this blood color looking this way? I mean, tilting towards um, you color specialist now. Uh, wine. <laughs> Magenta, <laughs> oh, aubergine. That's, that's more like it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
I found out something very interesting. Okay, typically your total cholesterol level should not be more than 200. Now, this 12-year-old chap had a cholesterol level. In short, the first time, the machine could not read it. Yes, the machine could not read it. His cholesterol level was 900. Oh, whoa. Yes, yes. so you have certain... That's why it's very important to take note of family history. Yeah, so clearly, this young, um, this young chap has a problem with... I mean, an en enzyme deficiency. That's why he, at that young age, that's why he has um, cholesterol, I mean, I mean um, elevated cholesterol, I mean, levels. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it all ties to that. Yeah, um, quality of um, sperm, right? Yes, this is, I mean, this is very important. Um, yes, exactly. Yeah, quality of, sperm, yeah, of, of, of the sperm, yeah. Um, Research has it that in the, in the, in the, at least in the last 10 years, or last 15 to 20 years, there has actually been a decrease in the quality of sperm, yeah, of, 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 the, male, of the male gender. And now this cuts across, this, this, what is responsible for this? Lifestyle. Um, what are we eating? Refined foods? Um, a whole lot of things that are, that are not healthy to the body. I mean, some individuals, I mean, how many people have had fruits this week? Only like I mean, the guys. Days. Wow, super. I'm sending so, you a so basket so of fruits. <laughs> so that's, that's, a, that's a great in, indictment on, on many of us. Mm -hmm. yeah, so we have to be intentional um, with regards to that. Yeah, fibroid. Now, one, one important thing with regards to fibroid is... Um, they increase um, um, exposure to estrogen. Now, maybe, maybe in the generation of our parents, I mean, menarche would have been attained maybe around 11, 12. But nowadays, we, we see that it has come like really down. You have people, I mean, having their, their first menstrual cycle as, as young as nine. And um, yes, so the body is already exposed to estrogen, I mean, early. And another factor with regards to that is um, maybe in our generation, many people are not getting, I mean, married, I mean, for different reasons. I mean, it's, there's no pressure on anyone. For, we are talking about the factors, yeah. Because ideally, um, the womb should actually, I mean, I mean to be receptive for, for a baby or for, I mean, I mean, for babies generally. But what happens is that the... Um, because of the, I mean, of the increased exposure to estrogens, what happens is that the womb is like crying out, like, what's up, what's up, what's happening, what's happening? And, you know, nature abolts the vacuum. Unfortunately, um, we now start seeing this incidence of, I mean, of fibroid. Um, PCOS. PCOS um, has been, I think the awareness has also, I mean, increased. What's, yeah. the, what's the full... Polycystic okay, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Thank you, doctor. Sorry, can I jump in here real quick? Because so here's the thing, and I want to say this to men. Um, I didn't know what PCOS was until I had a female friend explain it to me. Now, like, like um, Dr. Sam has said, as a man who's going to be married to a woman, amen, at some point, you need to start to educate yourself Word. on female anatomy, on female things, what happens in the, in the woman's body. Knowledge is profitable to direct. Amen? Uh -huh. If you don't know how a woman's body operates, you won't know what to do at the right time. I'm not thinking about that. I'm talking about other things. <laughs> but you will not know how Behave. to deal with your wives according to wisdom. 
Amen. You will marry your wife. Let's go on. So one other thing about fibroid that I want to touch on before I jump to PCOS is um, um, there's also a racial um, predisposition for African, I mean, for women of African heritage. So you have certain ailments that are, I mean, that you would see in certain climes. So for, Afri for, for the African woman, woman and for maybe African-American women, there is all, always a, a high percentage with regards to the development I mean, of fibroid. So that we have that factor. Yeah, for PCOS, um, awareness has come into play. And another thing too is lifestyle. Now, um, another thing too is it is, I mean, once if, you have a, if there's a family history of PCOS, there's a high tendency that it will be passed down. I mean, the, I mean, the, the next to the next generation. So that's why it's like that's why lifestyle is very, very important. Now, um, for it, take for example, I mean, I maybe I'll put myself, I mean, as a, as a female, if I had a mom or if I have a mom that has that gene, that PCOS gene, what will I be on the lookout for? I'll be on the lookout for things such as obesity such as adding weight, because at the, at the very core of PCOS is um, it, it's a resistance to insulin. I mean, so your body usually would produce insulin, I mean, to be able to lower blood sugar. Yeah, but at the core of, PC, at the core of PCOS is a resistance to insulin. And of course, adding weight would actually make that worse. So you have certain, I mean, females that actually have that gene, yeah, but it's not, I mean, exacerbated because of course, they, I mean, they're taking good care of themselves, or they, they, maybe there's that, that awareness. So, I mean, there's always that tendency to, I mean, do the right thing. Yeah. Wow, came for a sermon, got a little medical school degree on reproductive health. No, but thanks so much for that. And I really just want to emphasize the points around lifestyle, also understanding what your genetic predispositions are. And I'm hoping that we all feel a, a little more educated on these issues and hopefully we can all you know continue learning but I'm just hoping that we all understand a bit more where, where the root of all of these reproductive issues that we're seeing today comes from. So now we're going to move to the mental health side right I think even in in pop culture everyone is like oh my god I was triggered like oh it's your trauma and you know we, we have all of these sayings pop culturally um, that really show an underlying, I guess, trend when it comes to mental health. And COVID especially really exacerbated a lot of mental health issues because I think there's, there's, there's some research that shows that COVID triggered trauma, something I don't even know. There's just all of this. There's a lot of, you know, triggering trauma whatever, speak now. And so, could you just break down this concept of triggers and trauma? Let's just break down that concept first. Okay. Then we'll, we'll, we'll dive a bit further, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so before I break down the concepts, I kind of want to go off of what Dr. Sam said. Mm. You know, there's an increased awareness, mm. um, but with the increased awareness, there's also like more access to information, which mm. can be helpful, mm -hmm. but also sometimes it can't be helpful. Mm -hmm. So I had a session with a client recently and they said like, oh, I think I have, I may have X disorder. And I was like, okay, um, why do you think so? And then they go, well, I was on TikTok, and I'm like, <laughs> TikTok is not where you should be getting your information when mm -hmm. it comes to, like, you know, 
WebMD, definitely yeah. not. <laughs> WebMD, on WebMD, everybody has cancer. WebMD is going to tell you're tomorrow. dead. <laughs> yes. um, but yeah, even though there's like the awareness and there's access to information, sometimes it's not helpful. Um, but let's break down what a trigger is. So simply put, trigger, a trigger is um, a reaction. It's, it's a stimulus reaction. Right? So it's a stimulus that causes a reaction and is sometimes thought of as like a stressor, yeah. right? And fun fact, um, the five senses actually play a role with that, yeah. right? So for example, you could smell something and then it makes you remember something, mm. right? Mm-mm-mm. You can hear something and then you remember something. You can see something and then all of a sudden you have a flashback and you're remembering something mm-hmm. that happened. Mm-hmm. So it can be good, it can be positive, it can also be negative. Mm-hmm. So simply put, a trigger is um, a stressor. Um, a reaction to a stimulus, mm-hmm. right? That's what it is. Uh-huh. So when people say, I'm triggered, or, you know, what you said triggered me, what they're saying is that the words you had, or the words that you said, I had a reaction to it, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. Um, so maybe, it, maybe they didn't like it. Maybe the tone in which you spoke to them and reminded them of, like, you know, a difficult time that they had, uh-huh. or maybe you said something that was, like, a sensitive spot to them. Uh-huh. So that's what it means. That's uh-huh. what trigger means. Great. Okay. Do so- we all feel like we understand what triggers are now? Yeah. Kind of, sort of? Okay, yeah. fantastic. So with trauma, uh-huh. trauma, simply put again, is an emotional response to a distressing event. Uh-huh. At the core of it, that's the basic definition of it. So an emotional response to a, a, a distressing event. So trauma can be thought of as being on a spectrum, right? Yeah. So for example, you know, somebody might um, have an encounter. So um, let's say, like I actually experienced this. So last year we had an attempted robbery, right? Uh-huh. So that was a traumatic event for me, uh-huh. right? But for somebody else, they might have chronic trauma and that means it's ongoing. So something like repeated abuse, uh-huh. you know, being um, in a home where um, like, there are not so good um, things happening. So maybe like a family member has like a mental disorder mm-hmm. or, or like a family. Or a divorce. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's ongoing. And mm-hmm. then there's acute trauma, which is like a single event, mm-hmm. right? So the robbery, for example, the attempted robbery would be an acute trauma. Mm-hmm. Or um, like school shootings, for example. Thankfully, we don't have that here. Yeah. But, um, you know, that would be acute trauma, right? Mm-hmm. So those are... Um, that, that's kind of how you can see trauma as on a spectrum. Mm-hmm. But again, going back to the definition, an emotional response to a distressing event. Mm-hmm. So using you as an example. Right? Oh, wow, I'm, I'm an sorry. example. <laughs> <laughs> With your fall yesterday, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. that was pretty traumatic, right? Very, extremely. Exactly. So for somebody else, it may not be Are as you people laughing at my trauma? <laughs> I'm still laughing. I'm kidding. So for somebody else, it may not be as traumatic. It may mm-hmm. be a thing of like, ah, that was difficult. Yeah, but I play football. I fall all the time. We yeah. move, right? Mm-hmm. But for you, it was traumatic. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Because everyone is different. Yeah. So have I broken it down well enough? Ha- yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much. So, so much for that. And so in the context of, of maintaining your mental health, yeah. how should we deal with trauma yeah (laughs) um so i would say the first step to dealing with trauma is awareness Uh you know so going back to um the mental health vitals that i spoke about so your mood 
um, your behavior as well as physical changes. So awareness, right? So if we use the word triggered, you have a reaction to a stimulus. And let's say you get upset. Let's say you tell me something and then I have a reaction. The reaction can be a physical reaction. My heart can start beating really fast or maybe I just feel unsettled and my mood changes. I get angry or I get really sad. And maybe I don't understand why that is happening. So you can then note that. You can then, you know, have a journal or just like write it in your phone or, you know, just take a mental note of like, okay, when somebody says X, this is the reaction that I have, right? So that's one way, self-awareness. So just almost treating yourself like an investigator or a detective, like you're trying to figure it out. Um, the next step is definitely going to see a therapist, right? Because with trauma, there, there are um, different nuances and there might be things that you don't understand, um, like why they're triggering you or why you have a certain reaction to it. So for me, you know, when the attempted robbery happened, um, I went to see my therapist. And a therapist has a therapist. Absolutely. Who are the same you? Way a doctor has a doctor. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I went to see my therapist and I was just telling her what happened. And a few days after that, I did have um, some responses, which is completely healthy because I experienced a traumatic event, right? So a few days after that, I had difficulty sleeping, right? And that is expected because there was a traumatic event. A few months after that, I wasn't having any more difficulty sleeping. I was able to be fine. But sometimes, you know, I would get um, triggers, right? You know, if somebody turned on the light abruptly, I might respond like, I might be startled because that was what happened, right? So with time, some of these triggers, like, they um, taper off. But if you find that you are in a place where you're constantly triggered, you're constantly on edge, you're not breathing well enough, your heart is racing, you know, your mood is low, then you definitely need to speak to a mental health professional because there are layers to it that you might need to peel back. And there are also, um, like, um, mental health like strategies that your um, therapist or the mental health professional might use. So that's like the bigger side with dealing with trauma. Yeah, wow, that was good. Okay. That was good, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for that. Um, okay, so we still have some time and I know some, some folks had sent questions in and a lot of these questions actually centered around the questions that we had received. Um, so, Hmm. I, really, I really like the point around speaking to your therapist in addressing trauma. Ha Sorry, okay. can I just ask, okay, I know I need, <laughs> I know I need to speak to a therapist. Yeah. Um, but so what does that process look like for me as a Nigerian? Mm -hmm. Like, the do I Google therapist near me? Yeah. Trying to, do, yeah. And then... How can I even be sure that my therapist is not like it's one Auntie Shola who's going to yep. call my parents and be like, <laughs> Please leave I, Auntie Shola alone. I, I, I saw Timoni yesterday. She told me some things. <laughs> Mommy, I walk, you trying to understand? So what? Yeah, definitely. Mm. So unfortunately, um, there aren't enough mental health providers in Nigeria. We'll just start with that. And that's an unfortunate thing. Um, and also, there's still a big stigma around mental health. It's getting better because, well, we're having this panel. People are talking about it. Um, so there might be some challenges to, you know, seeing a therapist. So from a practical standpoint, if you decide that, okay, you know what, maybe I want to see a therapist, I would say that, one, checking in with your community. So asking somebody around 
you, maybe like asking your church group or your friend group, like, hey, does anyone know a therapist? Because if they know a therapist or if they've seen a therapist, you can kind of be rest assured that, all right, um, there's some trust there. I can like trust this person. Um, so I would say like asking your um, community, um, also asking like your health provider too, because um, there are psychologists that work in hospitals. Even if they don't work there, um, there's like a relationship going on. So if the doctor notices something, they might refer out to a psychologist um, and also like a psychiatrist too. So asking your, um, your doctor, asking your provider. And then also Google. Yes, Google is a, is a tool that you can use or social media. There are people who um, would have like threads on Twitter of like, you know, mental health professionals that you can check out. So when, let's say you've done all of those things, you found somebody on Google, you found somebody on Twitter, on Instagram. The next step would be to look at their qualifications, right? Because their... Um, Mental health care right now is not regulated in Nigeria. So anybody can brand themselves as a therapist, right? So you have, you have people who maybe they're a life coach or they've taken a course on Udemy and it's like, oh yeah, now I'm a therapist. No, you're not. <laughs> Certificates. Right, yeah. So you want to look at their qualifications. So um, do they have a bachelor's? in psychology, at least, at the bare minimum. If they don't, you should probably walk away. You know, if they have a master's degree, what's their degree in? Is it in psychology? Is it um, around like psychotherapy? Obviously, if they're a psychiatrist, they're a medical doctor, so you want to look at that. And then you also want to ask them if um, they have something called like a free consultation. So, um, it's basically you just talking with them for like 10, 15 minutes, finding out like, what is the process to therapy? What are the requirements? What are your qualifications? What's your area of expertise? How much does it cost? How often would we meet? So gathering that information for yourself to make a sound decision, like, okay, this is the person that I want to go with, or mm, I didn't really like gel with this person, so I'm going to go with somebody else and find out some more. So those are just some practical steps that you can take. Um, there are also like community resources, so there are NGOs who would offer like free therapy or they would have like a hotline. In Nigeria? In Nigeria, oh, yeah. Wow. They would have like a hotline. I literally thought you were going to say oh, like your pastor, sorry. No. No, because, <laughs> no honestly though, but that's, that's the next point I was going to raise yeah. is, is why is it then that so many people feel more... Why are people rushing to go and speak to their pastor about their... First of all, people don't stress my pastor, but why are people rushing over to speak to their pastors about their stressors and yeah. triggers and stuff when yeah. we have resources like these that yeah. we can? So there are a variety of reasons. One, the stigma, um, but then also there, with the stigma comes a negative association with mental health, right? So if you're stressed or if somebody's like displaying symptoms of depression or anxiety, it's like, ah, it's the devil... So when you think it's the devil, who are you going to meet? Your pastor. And you know, because like um, religion is really a focal point in this nation, you know, there's safety. People feel safer talking to their pastors. So we don't want to take that away. However, pastors should be trained in order to like notice when 
like this might be a mental health issue. So maybe I need to refer out, you know, so like still being able to show compassion to the person, listen to the person, because obviously they're distressed. And for them to turn to you, that means they trust you. But it's then your responsibility to assess like, okay, is this beyond my capacity? Am I noticing, going back to the vitals, is this person talking about their mood, you know, saying low for like months now? Are they having thoughts of harming themselves? Are they not getting adequate sleep? Then if you're noticing things like that, then it's beyond your capacity. And I believe that it's your responsibility as a pastor to then refer out and to then walk with that person to decide that, okay, I'm going to support you on this journey and support right now looks like helping you find the right care that you need. So. Thank you wow. so much. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we've been having all the fun here, and um, we think it's only right to just, you know, field for maybe three questions, Max. Three questions. Do we have? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. We have one person over there. I think you have two. Oh, one person. Oh, two, two people. Yeah. Three, oh, okay. Are you putting mm. your hand up or is that five? <laughs> okay. Okay, one, two. Do we have any? Ah, we're in trouble. Okay. Sorry? Daniel, what's going on? I'm kidding. Okay, we, we don't, okay, so we can take two questions. Two questions, okay. Oh, Two here, one from, oh, of course, we can't forget our online people. Okay, Sharon, you, you are very eager. So, yes, <laughs> over to you. Hi, guys. Good morning. Um, thank you so much for the very insightful conversation. So, I have a question mainly on the mental health side. Um, how do you deal with, so we've spoken about our own trauma, but how do you deal with um, situations where you are constantly getting the blowback of someone else's trauma? You know, <laughs> and I feel like this is a conversation where our That's parents... her sister laughing in the background. <laughs> Especially, you no, know, I, I don't know about everybody's, but a lot of people's parents probably, you, you know, as a young kid, you're just like, oh, mom is angry, dad is angry. But as you get older and you get more aware of, like, the stuff that they went through, it's like, okay, we understand. But after a while, it's like, ah, no, 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 no. I'm not the one who caused you pain. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you deal with that? Boundaries. Oh, oh, Sorry, oh, we oh, want to just take. Wow, questions she was ready. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, we want to take. We want to take all. The, well, the second, second question. question. Okay, I can oh, see your hand there. Ah, sorry, we can only take two questions, so we'll take that one. And this is actually a sign that we need to have Follow another session yeah. um, on on this specifically. So we'll we will we commit. Yeah, and I won't preach on that day, so there'll be plenty yes, of time. Sorry. <laughs> Okay. Hello, guys. Um, yes. My name is Alvin. Um, this question is for parents or parents to be you. Because Sorry, can you speak up? I can't really hear. Okay, can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. Um, what do we do when we don't actually know the health conditions of our parents? Because I feel like if I don't know what happened to my parents, or don't know what their um, problems were, I wouldn't know where to start tracking from. For example, okay, let me use myself as an example now. I, I have not really had any relationship with my dad or my mom. So I don't know where I'll start. Where do I want to start um, thinking about that from? Like, where do I start from? Also, awesome. kind of Thank you. 
So um, let's start with the, the first Sorry, one. excuse me. This is just the online church question. Okay. Yes, please. Um, so it says, how do you talk to family members about the difficulty of certain mental and physical health issues? I'll give an example. I have PCOS, which means weight gain and difficulty losing weight. My mom essentially belittles me because I'm on the bigger side, and that gives me lower self-esteem. So how do I approach that conversation with my mom? I should go? Okay. Um, so going back to the first question was, you know, how do you deal with the blowback of, um, like, trauma from other people? Um, boundaries. <laughs> um, it, as simple as it sounds, it's just, the first step would be boundaries. Um, actually, no. The first step would be awareness, and I like what you said. Um, the person that asked the question said that, you know, as she, she's gotten older, you know, you're able to understand that, all right, my parents are responding this way or they're acting this way because of their own upbringing and because of their own stuff. So awareness and being able to remove yourself from that. So this person is acting this way, not because of me, but because of what they've been through. And what they've been through is valid. It's very painful. And then it's causing them, and because they haven't resolved it or they haven't like worked through it, it's then impeding on the relationship. So that's step one, awareness. Step two would be boundaries. And what, what are boundaries? Boundaries, oftentimes we think of boundaries are like, you know, like, putting up a wall or like cutting somebody off. That's not it. Boundaries is simply to protect yourself and the other person because you're protecting the relationship. If, you know, your parent is yelling at you and you don't like it and you keep um, receiving that yelling, it might lead to resentment. It might lead to irritation. You might not want to speak to said parent any longer. Um, and I will say that, you know, like, of course, being in a Nigerian context, it might be harder to set boundaries because there's respect. Um, but you can set boundaries respectfully. So if we're using yelling, right, if you are older, because you probably can't say this as a kid, but if you're older and, you know, maybe like your mom is like yelling on you, you can simply just communicate, mom, I don't like when you speak to me like this. Oh, I'm not going to take your insults. <laughs> Sorry, just... Whatever happens after that is on you. I didn't tell you to say that. <laughs> so just telling them like, mom, I don't like when you speak to me like this. Or maybe, you know, um, speaking to what you're noticing in them. Mom, it seems like you're stressed right now. Would it be helpful if we had this conversation another time? No. Nope. Nope. Hey. <laughs> Some people is are just not, like... Is that not practical ah, enough? My mom... <laughs> Is that, okay, maybe that's not practical. Well, I'm not my mom. Um, so I will say that there are certain privileges, if we're using parents, let's stick with parents. There are certain privileges that come with like being older, being an adult, because you get to make your own decisions. At, um, maybe, <laughs> to an extent. So you can decide if you are going to, you know, put up with that. But if it's a context where, you know, you're not able to use the example that I just gave, um, 
I would say that's where like a deep sense of like awareness, but also compassion comes in. So awareness of like, okay, yes, this is the person's stuff. This is as a result of the unresolved issues that they have. But then also compassion, like being able to see beyond the yelling, being able to see beyond the bad treatments and see that, okay, you know what? This is a person that has been deeply hurt and they are then navigating the world and they are, um, they are navigating the world and navigating this relationship from a sense of hurt. But that's also not easy because you're human too. And you know, with that, you're also experiencing hurt. So I feel like there isn't, maybe I haven't given a straightforward answer, but um, boundaries is what I would recommend. Um, in a context where like boundaries may not um, be applicable, I would say, you know, heightened self-awareness and self-compassion. Fantastic. Awesome. Great. Um, um, to the young chap that asked with regards to, I mean, not having a, I mean, maybe your dad is not, I mean, is not currently around you. Um, there are other things you can do. Um, does he have siblings? Yeah, that's, that's something you can do. Then, of course, in, in a situation where he doesn't have siblings, um, there are certain ailments that are actually connected to certain regions you might want to ask, what is prevalent in this place where I come from? As in, like, your state? Yeah, no, I mean, for example, maybe say somewhere in Edo State, I mean, mm -hmm. you might have I mean, certain ailments in that, in that region. If you, are for, for, if you are from that region, you might want to go ask. I mean, maybe get into a hospital and ask, okay, what, what are the conditions that are prevalent in this area? Is there anything, is there any, any genetic, I mean, disease condition that is seen around this locality? Um, another thing you can also do too is to, I mean, that's why preventive medicine is very important. You can walk up to the hospital and do like a couple of screenings and, you know, regular body checks. If you sense, if you notice anything that's different, for example, I mean, you have a, a headache, I mean, you just get to come to the hospital and complain. Um, there's, there's this thing that happened to me. I mean, oh, I, when I eat in certain places, I might just have a headache. And I know that I'm not going back to eat there. So you have to be very, very sensitive to anything, that, any changes that you, you notice. Yeah. You all can't just be eating outside anyhow. Like, be careful. <laughs> be careful. But the other thing I wanted to say, and this is just a shameless plug for our partners at Health Tracker who are here, is if you do not have a detailed medical history, it's important that you start to document yours for the children you're going to have. So it's important you go to a hospital and actively just try and run through some of these tests so you know what you're predisposed to. And you may not have it, but you, you, that knowledge will help you when you have kids of your own with how to treat them in their healthcare and all of that. And then let's talk through the last question. Sorry, one more thing. Um, if um, something that's very important, I mean, you're going to eventually get married, right? You, you would want to know your genotype. You want to know your, I mean, your, your genotype. I mean, for example, if you don't know your, your dad's genotype, it's very, very important. Um, how many of us here know our genotypes? It's, 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 this is really, really serious because you get into a relationship and maybe one week to go, you go do a blood test and you don't discover this person is AS and I'm AS. What do you do? What happens to the time pray. that is lost? Reckless love. <laughs> Please go and see our people at Health Tracker. These are some of the things that we want to try and get done with our people. We don't want our people sick. So please, our Health Tracker have 
graciously promised to help us with that. They've given us discounts as well. It would be great for you to go and have a conversation with them at the end of the service and just get, get some of this information down. The third question, um, it was physical. Right, okay. Um, so to respond to the third question, first I want to, you know, just speak to that person. Like, I'm sorry that that's your experience. Nobody should ever be teased for, um, you know, their size. And that's actually a sensitive spot for me because I experienced that as well, you know, like being teased growing up for my size. Um, I was going to say boundaries again, but I think I'll get some pushback. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to fight you on this one because literally every Tom, Dick, and auntie is, ah, you have had them. Like, yeah. Wow, you have added. Yeah. So it's hard. It's hard. It and is you're, hard. Not, you're not eliciting these responses. Mm -hmm. You literally walk into a room and then all your auntie, Shea, auntie, Shala, auntie, they're all, they're all like, ah, ah, what's it, what's it, what's it, you can't, how do I put boundaries up in that kind of, Sorry, it's pinning me. Yeah. <laughs> how, do, how do I put it? So in that context, it's communicating that I, I don't want to talk about my weight. But you know what? Maybe I shouldn't put that responsibility on the person, right? We, I mean, we're a community here. So we as a collective, we've probably noticed somebody being teased. We've probably, you know, been that auntie or the child of that auntie that's teasing somebody. So then calling the person out, like, mommy, let's not talk about people's weights, you know, or if you are an auntie here or like you're an older adult here, um, just having the awareness that, one, let's not talk about people in general, you know, we don't know what people are experiencing. Two, talking about people's weights is very sensitive because I think this, in this question, the person said that they're experiencing like low self-esteem, like self-esteem issues. So what might be a small horrible here and out to put on, you know, can then lead to serious um, conditions such as like body dysmorphia, which is where you look at yourself and you see um, something different. So for example, somebody can be on the slimmer side, but because they've been teased a lot, what they see in the mirror is a much bigger person and then it can then lead to even um, more serious things like disordered eating so like over restriction when you're eating or um, forming like an eating disorder so you know somebody might be eating their food and then throwing it up you know all from a simple horrible what you put on weight you know so if you as the individual you're not able to you don't have the um, capacity to set those boundaries to say like okay um, mom, this is a sensitive topic for me. Maybe if you have si siblings, being able to talk to your siblings. If um, your father is still in the picture with this person, telling your dad, like, hey, can you talk to mom? Or maybe your mom has, like, a best friend or an auntie or a sister that she listens to. Then telling the person, like, I don't like when mommy speaks to me like this. This is how it makes me feel. It's important to stress how it makes you feel because oftentimes when you're trying to set boundaries or when you're trying to um, talk about your experience, people can get defensive. Like, ah, uh -uh, I was just teasing you now. It was just a joke. And it's like, okay, but it didn't land as a joke to me. I'm not criticizing you as a person. I'm just trying to tell you how your words impacted me. So this is how it made me feel. So again, if you're not able to do that for yourself, using the resources around you. So that would be other family members, maybe like a best friend that your mom has, 
Or sometimes, like, just something as little as, like, writing a letter to your mom. It might seem so corny. I used to do that to my mom. Um, It might seem so corny, but it's one way to express yourself and just, like, let the person in on what's going on with you. Can I add uh, add something? Of course. Yes, please. Okay, so um, for that individual, another thing you can do is you can actually go to the doctor with your mom. Sometimes, some of, I mean, some of these elderly people, they need to understand the disease process. So when they understand the disease process, they, 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 there's now that awareness. So, I mean, it, it needs to get into their mind, not just, okay, building a fence around, or oh, they should not do this. When they understand this is what is happening. For example, that, I mean, that young I mean, woman that has PCOS, the mother might actually have diabetes. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's, that also, I mean, is also a factor for insulin resistance. And if she now finds out or the, the doctor expounds all of these conversations to her, she's like, oh, wow, this is what's happening. She'll find out it's her fault. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, thank you so much. Thank you so, so much. Um, um, so as we, I just want to, please, could we just put a, a wrap of a, sorry, just applause for them. So I, I know that a lot has been said. Oh, yes, please. Oh, please carry okay. on. Okay, um, I just, I was led in my spirit to say this, which is very, very crucial. I mean, it's, it's, um, it, there's an interconnection with regards to mental health and physical health. It's forgiveness. Forgiveness is very, very important. 61% of cancers have been linked to unforgiveness. Yes, check it out. Go verify. No, please explain. <laughs> no, seriously. Yes. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so um, um, elevated blood pressure for certain individuals has been linked to unforgiveness. Now I'll break it down. You have this hormone in your body, it's called cortisol. Now when you are exposed to negative vices, stress, Trauma. unforgiveness, and you don't let these things go, what happens is that you start building, I mean, it's, you start building a counter situation to your immune system. And in the long run, is it worth the price? So that's why you have to let go. You have to find all necessary means to forgive. It is very important. It's very important. That, that is awesome. That is awesome. So as we wrap, first of all, please, can we just put our hands together again and just thank our wonderful doctors and for, for that wonderful time. Um, so as we, as we wrap, sorry. Thank you so much. Awesome. As we wrap, um, I want us to just take a quick second. And he said something that was really important, which I want to rehash, is that your, the state of your heart has a direct um, impact on your health. And he said something about forgiveness. I was going to talk about that, but he's spoken expertly on that. So in your heart right now, I imagine there are things that you've been holding on to for the last, I don't know for how long. There's somebody here who's been holding on to hurt against their parents. Another person who's been holding on, holding on to hurt against their siblings. Now is the time to cut those bonds in your heart and let your heart be free so that God can start to do the work of healing. There is a balm in Gilead that's available to be healed, to heal you today. So I want you to talk to God and make a commitment in your heart to let some of those things go. And it's going to be a quick prayer and we'll wrap the service. Just make a commitment in your heart. God, you are the one who heals the hearts of the broken. Please, I do not want this situation that has so beset me for so long to continue to hold me down. Please help me. And I choose to let this person go. And I want you to just see in your mind's eye, you cutting that person loose and letting them go. 
And if it's more than one person, go through that practice. Cut the person loose. Let them go. And make a decision in your heart. I forgive this person as God has forgiven me. Father, we thank you because truly we know that you are the healer. You are Jehovah Rapha. We ask that your hand of healing now begin to move through the room, causing a transformation in our hearts and in our bodies so that we will be hale and hearty, able, willing, full of strength and vitality to serve you all the days of our lives. We thank you, Father. Thank you so much, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Come on now, put your hands together for God. Amen. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.